At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a prospect writer and analyst, as well as one of the co-founders of JustBaseball.com. And today, we have a really exciting episode because it is the beginning of the Top 100 Prospect Series. Yes, if you missed it, our Top 100 Prospect list is live on JustBaseball.com. Definitely go check it out because you can follow along through this episode as I go through things. It's just going to be me, no Jack McMullen today, but Jack McMullen will be joining me on Monday. The way we're going to break this up is probably do it in five episodes. We'll break the 100 prospects up across those five episodes, and Jack will be joining me to do 80 through 60 on Monday, and today I'll be doing the rest, right? 81 up to 100, but we'll be counting down from 100. So very excited to go through that. Again, reminder to follow along with the list at JustBaseball.com while you're listening to me go through some of these prospects. And look, this was a difficult list to make because there are so many talented prospects out there. And I watched some guys perform that were right on the edge of the top 100, and it's almost like, oof, he could push his way right in there. Dre Jameson being one of those as well uh, that I think now I just watch him pitch and I'm like, oh man, I want to update it and throw him in there. But that's what the midseason update is for. A lot went into this list aside from in-person looks at almost every single one of these players, as many as I could see in person and hours and hours of video uh, that I was able to get, you know, on each of these guys. Also the data, the background data on a lot of these players, conversations with either many of the players on the list, many of the players have played against a lot of these guys and conversations with team officials and a little bit of everything to be able to make the most educated and informative list possible. And I really feel proud of of what we did here. Uh, 55,000 words. It took me a very long time to write these up, but Again, it's, it's 55,000 words of either things that I saw, things that I saw in the numbers or in person or on video or conversations I had. And uh, there's there's a lot of confidence behind these write-ups, and I'm really proud of, of, of what we've built here. So very excited to hear what you think about it if you haven't read it already. Uh, but let's not waste any more time and let's get into it, starting with number 100. And this was probably one of the bigger surprises because I'm not sure I've seen Ken Waldachuk on any other top 100 list, but 
I am willing to uh, be the guy that throws Ken Waldachuk at the 100 spot. Now, I know that it's probably a surprise to a lot of people, but Ken Waldachuk has come out this year and looked really, really good. But I've always been higher on him than I feel like most of the industry. I see a lot of the remnants of what makes Trevor Rogers effective in Waldachuk, which is a fastball that has a very unique profile that is hard to pick up due to the fact that Waldachuk hides the ball really well, but also because of the profile that it has. It just has that riding action, high spin, high spin efficiency, and just is either one of those invisibles where it just gets on you super quickly, or it looks like it's going to drop and it just doesn't, and it stays on that line, which is what we talk about induced vertical break. Just put simply, Waldachuk's fastball is hard to pick up and it's hard to square up. And that's reflected in the numbers. It's reflected in when you just watch the hitter reactions. And last year, Waldachuk picked up a 15% swinging strike rate on his fastball, which is well above average. And even though the fastball is more, it was more in the low 90s last year, it's actually ticked up a little bit this year to the mid 90s. And not only that, it's one thing to have the fastball with a good profile, but when it's hard to pick up and then you have the changeup working off of it, that's where I really like what I see. And that's where there's some similarities to Trevor Rogers. Okay, I don't think he has quite the ceiling of Trevor Rogers, but the similarity that I see is this. Rogers had a fastball that was really hard to pick up, really hard to square up. Nobody was giving Trevor Rogers even above average changeup grades. His changeup improved mightily uh, in terms of just the profile of the pitch in a vacuum. But a big reason why the changeup plays so well for Trevor Rogers is that he repeats his release point really well. His fastball is so good that guys are geared up for the fastball and the changeup looks just like the fastball until the last 15 feet. Waldachuk has a similar effect. So even though the changeup might not be the most devastating Devin Williams type of airbender changeup, it is a pitch that plays up a ton off of a fastball that is hard to pick up and has that riding action. So you have those two pitches working off of each other. Imagine that you are looking at a pitch coming at you and about 15 feet away, there's a chance it either stays on a line or the bottom drops off of it. And that's why Rogers has so much success with the Marlins. And that's why Waldachuk has been having a lot of success with the Yankees. The the uptick in velo has also really helped him out of the gate this year. Waldachuk has been spectacular through his first two starts in double A Somerset for the Yankees. 10 innings, 16 Ks, two walks. The command continues to get better. He was phenomenal last season. And what I like about it is all around, you have the fastball playing up, you have the changeup working off of it. And and honestly, again, individual pitches, the curveball is probably his best secondary pitch. It is a very solid, probably above average. I have a 55 grade on it. And then he mixes in a slider, which I have a 50 grade on as well. So he has a pair of breaking balls that are at least average. And then the changeup and fastball working off of it. I just struggle to see a scenario where Waldachuk doesn't succeed, at least as some semblance of a back end of the rotation type of army, 6'4", 220. Again, the VLO continues to get better. The command continues to get better. The fastball profile is phenomenal, and he has three secondaries that are at least average. So I'm really high on Waldachuk, clearly higher than most people, and I'll wear this one if he doesn't pan out, but I like what I've seen, and so far he's off to a great start this year, and he was set to be ranked 100 before the start he had this year. So uh, if that kind of puts it in perspective too, we had him at 100 going into the season. And so far, all he's done is pitch 10 innings without giving up a run in double A. So a lot to like over there with the Yankees Southpaw. Now going to the rival Red Sox at number 99, another prospect that I don't really think is on any other top 100 list, or at least not on many others, Brian Bellow, a very athletic and compact right-handed pitcher who just has really interesting and explosive stuff. The fastball 
Looks like it should play better. It really does. It, it is mid to upper 90s, but it has just a brutal profile. And I think this is funny because these guys are back-to-back, Waldachuk and Bellow. Bellow's fastball, if you looked at it, you'd say, oh, well, well Waldachuk's fastball is not as good as his, right? I mean, Bellow's fastball is in the upper 90s. Well, this is just a perfect example of how much profile and shape of a fastball matters because Waldachuk's is not as firm in terms of velocity, but is way more effective because of the shape. Bellow's fastball is probably his biggest Achilles heel. It's just too flat. Hitters time it up, and it's just not a pitch that he can really rely on being able to miss bats with. And that's one of the things that holds Bellow back. But what he has going for him is his slider is plus. His changeup is above average, at least flashing plus. So that, for me, obviously, was it was very encouraging. And I just feel like when you have a pair of secondary offerings that are 55 fringe plus pitches, I already have plus on the slider, and I think the changeup is getting right there. I'm willing to bet on Brian Bellow being able to mask the fastball enough. Maybe he goes to a two-seamer and it's more of a soft contact inducing pitch with the two secondaries being the wipeout pitches. Maybe the fastball shape changes a little bit or maybe he's able to just mask the fastball enough because of the quality secondaries that he's not going to get teed off on unless he's just falling behind and counts a ton. And the thing is, is he's so athletic on the mound. He's 6'1", 175, but just very springy, very twitchy, repeats his mechanics pretty well, has continued to get better in that regard, that I really feel like his command is going to be above average as he continues to settle in. Last year, the numbers were great for Bello between high A and double A, 95 and a third's innings, a 3.87 ERA, but a 3.02 FIP. He struck out 33% of batters and only walked 7.7. Again, the loud contact is going to be a little bit of a challenge for him, but I really have optimism that an athletic pitcher who can sit 96 to 98 miles per hour with his fastball can figure out a way to make it an at least average pitch because the secondaries are so good for him. The athleticism and everything else really bodes well. I'm betting on Bello being a really, really solid back end of the rotation arm with a little bit more upside given his athleticism and no matter what, could be a very, very good bullpen arm just a $28,000 international signee for the Red Sox in 2017. So a great get for them regardless. But I love the upside here for the 22-year-old Bellow, and I'm willing to put him in the top 100 list for that reason. One last note on Bellow, another guy that was set to be inside of our top 100 before the season started. That was a sure thing. Uh, he was he was always going to be in the back end, but it was a sure thing that he was going to be in the top 100. And now, since the season has started, has also really reinforced that belief through his first two outings at the AA level, he's thrown 10 innings. He's only given up two earned runs, so it's a 1-8-0 ERA. He has struck out 18 and only walked two. So again, the stuff is there. The control is definitely there, and the command continues to get better. I'm, I'm a big fan of Brian Bellow, and I think it's not going to be long before we see him on a lot more top 100 lists. Coming in at 98 is one of my favorite hitters in the minor leagues. Like seriously, one of my favorite hitters in the minor leagues. Vinny Pascantino, the first baseman in the Kansas City Royals organization. And you have to be a really, really good hitter to be a first baseman that is not a top pick and crack the top 100 list. And Vinny Pascantino has been just that and continues to be just that. He's a guy I've talked about plenty on this podcast. He's a guy that I think is just wildly underrated by what I call the Ty France effect, which is not having any elite tool or any tool that jumps off the board so people overlook you. I mean, Pascantino, big left-handed hitter, 6'4", 240, 
and just has a wonderful feel to hit as well. Listen to these numbers from last year in 2021. Between high A and double A, the guy hit 300, 399, 551, 24 home runs, 68 extra base hits, a 153 WRC+, 13% K rate, actually 12.9% K rate, 13.2% walk rate. So the guy walked more than he struck out and hit 24 home runs. Uh, You just don't see that. In fact, I think I had this in the write-up. There was only two players in the entire minor leagues, two prospects in the entire minor leagues, with more than 20 home runs and a K rate below 13%. It was Vinny Pascantino and Jose Miranda. And Miranda doesn't walk. Pascantino still walks. So that just puts into perspective how valuable this bat is here with Vinny. I have a a plus-plus hit tool. I have plus raw power. Obviously, he's not going to run much. And here's the crazy thing, though. He's not a bad first baseman. Even though he is huge, he is a massive dude that does not move great. He picks everything. He is a vacuum. The range isn't great, but who needs first baseman range? You just need to pick the ball and make the plays that are hit towards you. Vinny does that. He is, for sure, a big league first baseman for me. I see a lot of Anthony Rizzo type of production in him. I really think he could be that kind of guy, and I think he's going to be a fan favorite, too. I mean, how do you not gravitate towards a guy named Vinny Pasquantino, who is built like a, I wouldn't even say linebacker. He's like bigger than a linebacker. Not quite O-lineman, maybe a tweener, defensive end. I don't know. doesn't move like a defensive end, but he is a massive guy with big power, hits majestic home runs, but also has that wonderful feel to hit that just makes it so exciting and makes him a very exciting prospect all around. I'm a big fan of Vinny Pasquantino. Coming in at 97 is outfielder for the San Francisco Giants, Elliot Ramos. And Elliot Ramos is somebody that I think is a victim of a little bit of an aggressive, I would say just approach to his minor league career so far. The Giants have called him up maybe a little bit too early on several different occasions, and it just has not really helped him much. He's been a guy that really was ahead of his years as a prospect, and that was why the Giants felt that they could probably be a bit more aggressive with him. But once he got the call up to AAA, he just seemed a bit overmatched last year. He was really comfortable in his first sit in AA as a 19, 20-year-old, and that's why I think the Giants were like, hey, this guy can kind of be ahead of his years, but they stunted his growth a little bit, I think. And this is an organization that rarely makes mistakes, and maybe they know something I don't, but I thought it was a bit of a mistake to be as aggressive as they have with him. And now all of a sudden, they need him at the big league level, and he's called up to the big leagues, and I would have liked to have seen him with more time in AAA. Uh, But Ramos is, is a player that I've really enjoyed watching. He has an aggressive approach. He's got to work on on that and just taking more pitches, seeing more pitches, and, and not trying to expand the zone all the time. Uh, but he has above-average raw power. He's an above-average runner. He can, spl- he can stick in center field. And I do think that the hit tool is going to t- continue to trend upward. So this is more of a volatile guy at the back end. Uh, he, he could easily be somebody that should be way higher than 97 by the end of the year, and he could easily be someone that falls off the list. But given the athleticism and what we've seen from him already in the past, and even what was a down year last year was not terrible between AA and AAA last season, 254, 323, 426 slash line, 14 home runs, 42 extra base hits. It's a 94 WRC plus due to the AAA. Uh, You know, in AAA, your WRC plus is going to take a hit because guys are just hitting better, especially in the PCL or a lot of those PCL fields. So that did impact him a little bit. 28% K rate, 8.5% walk rate. So, I want to see Elliot Ramos step it up, of course, but I do think that they've been very aggressive with the 22-year-old, and I still think that he has a lot of time and a lot of ability to develop into, and he'll continue to get 
better, I think, in the box, more polished overall, and the San Francisco Giants are as good as it gets in that regard. So ultimately, I do believe in him continuing to develop and continuing to get better. Definitely still have plenty of optimism around Elliot Ramos. Next up, recent draftee, another guy that I've seen on a couple lists, but not on as many as I would like to see because I think he is supremely talented. Harry Ford, catcher from the Seattle Mariners. He was the 12th overall selection in 2021. And I know high school catchers, big, big no-no, super risky. We don't like those guys, bad profile. Well aware, well aware. But Harry Ford is maybe the one exception to that profile because he has a wonderful fallback plan. Because really, he, he doesn't even need to catch to be a successful big leaguer, meaning that he's an elite athlete. Harry Ford is a plus runner. He is a guy that has plus raw power and also a pretty good feel to hit for a high school catcher. Harry Ford, if it all goes bad behind the dish, could play center field. How often do we see that with catchers? The only other catcher I can think about that is like that is, is Dalton Varsho. Of course, we've seen some other prospects that have the catching situation end earlier. I mean, even Bryce Harper came up as a catcher, but this is a bit different because the plan is to keep Harry Ford at catcher. We'll see how he does, Uh, but I mean, he has swung it well in the early going of his professional career, looked great at the complex for 20 games last year, and was one of my favorite players in the draft in 2021. Super dynamic, of course, and I really do believe in the bat, and that's usually the big issue with Just high school catchers, it's a big jump, both defensively and offensively, to go from high school to professional baseball. Harry Ford seems like the guy that's able to do it. With his athleticism, I could see him continuing to develop as somebody that they do keep behind the dish, but also give some run in the infield or in center field or wherever it may be, because he is shown to be capable all over the diamond, especially with that type of speed that he has. I've seen grades above even plus. I've seen close to plus plus grades on the speed for Harry Ford. So if they want to maintain that speed, maybe they move him from behind the dish. Regardless, I see a guy that's would be the most athletic catcher in the game once he's called up to the big leagues, if he makes it up there. And also if it doesn't work out, the fallback plan is so positive, right? With, with plus raw power and plus plus speed that I don't see how you can't rank this guy in the top 100. If it doesn't work out as a catcher, if it doesn't work out for him being the most athletic catcher, then his fallback is power bat with Ridiculous speed. Okay, I'm interested in that. There's just too much to like here with Harry Ford to not have him in the top 100. I mean, when can we talk about a five-tool catcher? When do you see something like that? So I know there's risk. He hedges the risk with his tools and his ability and his fallback plans, and that's why I really think Harry Ford is a top 100 prospect, and the Mariners just continue to load up and are just such a spectacular organization and such a good farm system. It is really ridiculous what they're building over there. Checking in at 95 is Mackenzie Gore, and I would have liked to have had Mackenzie Gore a little bit higher, but you know we, we finalized the list for the most part right before the season started, and as Gore started to look better and better in spring training and as the season got closer, I, I did want to move him up, but it, it just would have resulted in moving around too many different players, and I look, Gore is probably higher than 95, I'll be honest, and that's because he's looked way better since the start of this season and really since the the lockout ended. He seems like a guy that is much more confident in his stuff. We, we talked about it. Jack and I talked about it uh, not too long ago on the show. Just seems to finally have figured it out again. The command is back. The fastball looks good. He's confident in it. And he has a good feel for all of his secondaries. And this was somebody that looked as lost as they 
could be, as anybody could be, last year looks more like that McKenzie Gore that we know. He has hung in there at the big league level so far. He continues to look really good. The fastball is not elite. It's good. He's going to run into some loud contact here and there. But the litany of secondaries that he has and still just the improved command of the fastball overall gives gives him a really solid floor, assuming that you know he doesn't lose it like he did last year. I, I think he worked through that. I think a lot of it was mental. And I think he's on to the other side now and will continue to develop and continue to look a lot like that McKenzie Gore that we always thought he could be. It's, it's an above-average fastball, above-average curve. The slider looks really good, and the changeup is flashing plus. The command has made major, major improvements, and all around, I mean, McKenzie Gore finally looks like McKenzie Gore again. Excited to see him continue to pitch at the big league level, and I'm very happy to see him make these improvements overall. It has been really fun to watch him uh, really refine those mechanics, smooth things up, and allow that natural athleticism on the mound to translate. Coming in at 94, not a guy that I'm the most excited about, but it was just, I couldn't justify leaving him off the list because of how solid his floor is. Jordan Groshans of the Toronto Blue Jays. And Groshans is really somebody that, to me, is a guaranteed big leaguer in some capacity because of his feel to hit. The guy just has a really, really good feel for the barrel. He can spray the ball all over the field. And look, I would like to see some more power. I, I've been really surprised at the lack of power development for Jordan Groshans because he's 6'3", 205, and just does not seem to be putting up, or not doesn't seem, he is not putting up very good exit velos, and he's really, looks like his approach is more spray it all over the field and just be that that singles-doubles guy. He's going to run into some home runs here and there, but I mean, not that many. Last year, 291, 367, 450 slash line, it's fantastic in double A. Seven home runs, 30 extra base hits, a 124 WRC+, plus. 19% K rate, 11% walk rate. He has a great approach. He is tough to strike out. He uses the whole field well. He's a good hitter. He's a plus hit tool guy. You could still dream on the power a little bit, right? He's still 6'3", 205. There's some room for, for physical projection. He could still fill out a little bit more. And also, he's a guy that could probably unlock a little bit more in his swing in terms of power. But he also has figured himself out as a hitter for the most part in terms of the bat to ball. So if he starts trying to tap into power, will that compromise some of that contact, that plus hit tool that we've seen from him? It's tough. It's a tough spot for Groshans, but here's the thing. I don't think he's sticking it short. He's not a plus runner, so he probably needs to tap into a bit more power, especially if he's going to play third, which I think he's more than capable at third. The arm would play fine there, and he could be an above average defender there. But how many third basemen are hitting you 10 to 15 home runs a year. Unless you're playing elite defense, that's not really what you want. So Groshans is a little bit of a tweener right now. He could probably play second as well, and I think his bat profiles well at second. Uh, But I would like to see him tap into a bit more power. And because there's a little bit of hope in that regard, that also helps him stay in the top 100, but also just the high-end hit tool and the ability to potentially play second, third, and short if you need it. Uh, that just keeps him as a top 100 guy. And the numbers in AA were spectacular. I will say Groshans has struggled to stay healthy over the last couple of years, so maybe having been further removed from some injuries, maybe he'll be able to tap into some more power this season. Checking in at 93 is Owen White. Right-handed pitching prospect with the Texas Rangers. Maybe not a household name. Might be a a newer name to some of you. Uh, But don't be mistaken, Owen White is really freaking good. And to me, he's actually one of the more polished guys you're going to find on the back end of this top 100 list. And one of the more polished arms in minor league baseball if you're wondering, like, why do I not know who he is if he's one of the more polished arms? Well, Owen White was drafted in 2018, over slot, second round, 55th overall by the Rangers. He was injured 
I believe it was Tommy John, then had some other injuries, had some other issues, and then 2020 season was canceled. So the guy didn't even really make his debut until 2021. Imagine being drafted 2018, don't make your debut until 2021. Well, he was great last year uh, in, in limited action as they kind of ramped him up. And then he was phenomenal, probably the best pitcher in the Arizona Fall League. I know there wasn't great pitching there, but there was a lot of good hitting. And Owen White dominated through the Arizona Fall League. He has a really good fastball with a very good profile. Talk about that life, that swing and miss up in the zone. But also he's ticked up velo-wise and is more in the mid-90s, topping up at 97 with, again, that riding life to it. And then has a great feel for his secondaries. White slider is his best secondary offering. I have that at 55 flashing plus, probably closer to a plus pitch at this point. The curveball is above average, and the changeup is flashing above average already. He has a feel for all those pitches, and again, I think that changeup is going to play up thanks to the life on the fastball and the way he's able to repeat his release point, and most importantly, the command. Above average command already. I have plus command in the future. I really see that from him with the way he's able to repeat his mechanics so well, the feel he has for all of his pitches, and the feel he has just to pitch overall. I really like what I see from Owen White, and he could be up at the big leagues by the end of this year. The Rangers really need help in the starting pitching department at the big league level, and they've got some really exciting guys coming through with Owen White, and then we'll get to him in future episodes as we continue to go through the top 100, but way ahead are Cole Wynn and Jack Leiter. But Owen White, high floor, middle rotation, upside, and worst case scenario could be a very solid number four. I really think that his floor is, is that solid. And with a good season uh, or a good start to the season, somebody that will easily force his way up into the top 60 prospects. Just it's hard to put somebody up there that's only thrown 60 professional innings, but even having him on the top 100 at all is a testament to how good he has looked so far. Next up is another Texas Ranger, a guy that came over in the Joey Gallo deal. Ezekiel Duran, infielder, has been Really good before and after the trade from New York. And Duran is going to stick at second base, but he can play third. He can play short in a pinch. And that versatility is something that's really going to help him because he is a very intriguing bat. He's got above average power. I would say plus raw power, above average game power. He's going to play all over. He's going to strike out a little bit, but he's going to tap into some legitimate pop. And I do think there's room for 30-plus home run upside here. Uh, it's more likely to be in the 20 to 25 range, but if you're getting 20 to 25 home runs from your second baseman, that's really, really solid. And especially if you can play all over the infield, it's even more solid. And Duran's exactly that. Swing and miss is a bit of a question, but I believe in the bat to ball enough, and I think he's going to get better and better with his approach. And as that continues to improve, the overall offensive profile is enough to keep him in the top 100, and also the defensive versatility is big as well. Talk about a steal for the Yankees in 2017, only signed for $10,000. And I'm going to be putting out a an article, Top 100 Prospects by the Numbers, and it's a lot of the just standout numbers and standout figures from this top 100 list. And one of the standout things from this list and just the top prospects in general is how many of them were not bonus babies. And it just shows you how many diamonds are in the rough and how much talent there is out there. And coming in at number 91 is one of the more talented catchers you're going to find. But, you know, it's been a little bit of an up and down for him. And similar to Elliot Ramos, he really was rushed. Luis Camposano of the San Diego Padres. Camposano has been a great bat through the minor leagues, just absolutely mashed through the minor leagues, uh, but was forced up to the big leagues, 
really early because of a disastrous catching situation for the Padres early on, and he was just not ready. And he got blown up, and they were throwing him in there to like pinch hit. They were throwing him in there to handle the staff, and it was just a mess. He was not ready. He goes back down to AAA and was spectacular at AAA last year. 295, 365, 541 slash line, 15 home runs, 20% K rate, 8% walk rate. He was fine again, settled in and put up numbers. He's in AAA to start this season, has been great so far. I think the bat is going to play. There's some makeup questions and whether he can really be able to handle uh, the responsibilities that come with a big league catcher. We'll see about that, and that's what holds him back. Otherwise, he'd be even higher up there because I really do believe in the bat that much and the power that much. Uh, But the defense is good enough to be average or slightly above, but I'm more worried about the intangibles and just handling the backstop position as a big league and that's something we'll have to see. Still 23 years old, wouldn't put much stock into the struggles at the big league level because he wasn't near ready. Uh, Somebody that had barely really played that much above high A prior to the call-up. So I thought it was wild to do that to a young catcher, Uh, but Camposano has settled back in and looks really good in AAA through the last year and the early start to this year. Could see him back up at the big league levels probably by midseason if the Padres need him, but right now they've actually been okay at the catching position. Coming in at 90 is another name that you know I think Cubs fans love and Cubs fans are super high on, but maybe is not as well-known in other circles. Well, besides the Padres, of course, because he was traded by the Padres to the Cubs as part of that U Darvish return. Casey has an outrageous amount of upside. He's 6'4", 190, 19 years old, showed flashes of some really exciting power between the complex league and low A last year. And you can really just see in his swing just how many home runs he could be able to produce as he continues to just get a better feel for the barrel and just an all-around better feel for his body. He's a big dude for a young age, and just you could tell he's almost got that awkwardness to him a bit, especially in the field where he really struggles, but the bat is just very, very intriguing, and I like the swing from the left side. At times, he can be inconsistent with the lower half, which will cause him to drag a little bit, and you see him go inside out a lot with his swings, but when he's under control and he really just drops the barrel on it and allows his body to to really be in sync, not having the upper body and lower body out of whack or drifting with the lower half. I mean, you can see what is 35 plus home run pop potential. Like when he shows flashes of it, it's enough for me to say, okay, we, we've got to have this guy on here because he's going to fill out more. There's going to be 70 raw power here. It's not there yet. He's probably cl- closer to 50 present, but I see 70 future because of how monstrous his frame is. The swing already looks good. It's just a little bit of inconsistency with his body, which is so common for young hitters, and then especially young hitters who are six foot four, 190 pounds. He has crazy upside, a nice left-handed stroke that's only going to get better. I really like the bat. We'll see how the glove develops. He's, he's rough out there right now, just doesn't have a ton of experience in the outfield. I think he'll continue to get better there. He's already shown signs of getting better with his routes and his reads, uh, but the bat is the calling card, and I think it's going to be a very good one very soon. Next up, at 89, a Dodger. Finally a Dodger, and get get used to it because a lot more Dodgers will be coming up as we continue to go through this list. Ryan Pepiot. Ryan Pepiot, right-handed pitching prospect with the Dodgers, is electric. Electric. For him, the question is command. But, I mean, the fastball is mid to upper 90s. The slider is pretty good. The changeup is one of the best you're going to find in the minors. And it is Far and away, one of the best you're going to find in the minors. I have a 70 grade on the changeup, 60 grade on the fastball, 55 on the slider. That's enough to keep him in the starting rotation. Those three pitches are phenomenal. That'd be a really, really difficult three-pitch mix to hit. And, I mean, it was made evident last year by his 35% K rate in double A. I mean, it was just ridiculous 
what he did last year. He got up to AAA and struggled, and his numbers ballooned. I think he had an ERA of 7.13 in AAA. Some of that was bad luck. Some of that was some home runs that snuck out in in a short sample size. Uh, And also just the tighter zone. He didn't trust his stuff as much either, and he was nibbling a little bit. It was a combination of things. But Pepeyot has looked really good so far to start the season. Ten and two-thirds innings. He has only walked four, and he struck out 14 only given up two runs so far so short stints in the early going given that they, they don't want to stretch them out too much the Dodgers are kind of weird with babying some of their pitchers but Pepeo will continue to get stretched out I think we could see him in his first big league stint as a bullpen arm because we know the Dodgers are uh, pretty loaded but he could make some spot starts for them too he the, the long-term plan seems to be to use him as a starter and, and I think he could be a really good one albeit command will probably keep him from being a frontline guy but I think the command could be good enough to be a middle of the rotation guy and when you've got the 70 grade Bugs Bunny changeup and a mid to upper 90s fastball and a good enough slider to mix in uh, that works against lefties and righties the arsenal is good enough the command just needs to tick up a bit and he should be a very solid swing and miss middle of the rotation type of starter but the fallback of being a lights out back end reliever so the dodgers have a really good piece there regardless next up number 88 one of my favorite grinder prospects in the minors who again not someone i see on a lot of lists will be on a ton of lists soon enough i'm willing to bet on that one matt mcclain of the Cincinnati Reds, listed as a shortstop, can play everywhere, but don't mistake that for him not being able to play short. He can play short, and I was really impressed with all of the video I watched. Watched him in person, but watched a ton of video. Almost every ground ball he fielded uh, it last year. I went back and watched it, and I love the range, the arm plays. He has great smooth actions, but he can play all over. When I saw him in the Cape, he was playing third, he was playing outfield, he was playing second. He can play wherever you want him to, but he is very capable at shortstop as well. The guy has a fantastic feel to hit. I mean, it is just throw the hands at the baseball and barrel it. He barrels everything. And the thing that has stood out to me with McLean, he's 5'10", 180, 26th overall pick by Cincinnati in 2021. Uh, there was a question, how much power is in there? Is he going to be able to hit for that much pop, or is he more of that utility guy? There's enough pop in there. I really do believe there's enough power in there, and he's showing it in the early going this year. I really have seen some impressive exit velos. He's already put up 107 miles per hour on the exit velos, which is above average. It's not a lead or anything, but we're talking about a guy that's a plus runner, plus hit tool, like there's no question, and also can play all over. If he's giving you even slightly above average power, mind you, in Cincinnati, there's a lot of similarities here to John India. I see a lot of similarities with Matt McClain to John India. The Reds really need a center fielder. There's a chance that with how quickly he can climb, because I do think McClain is going to climb really quickly, he's already in double A and hitting really well in double A. And oh, by the way, he hit for the cycle in like eight pitches already this season. He already has three home runs in his 11 games at the double A level as well. So we're seeing improved exit velos. It looks like he added a little bit of muscle and also just has found a way to tap into that pop a little bit more, but it hasn't compromised the plus hit tool and his speed is still comfortably plus. I'm a big fan of this kid and I think he is the exact guy that every team wants. Grinder, good speed, can play all over, good defense, good field to hit and sneaky power. Next up is a guy whose power is not sneaky whatsoever. It is out in the open for everybody to see. But for whatever reason, I don't think Everson Pereira gets enough credit for how much freaking pop he has. Last year, in literally 49 games, he played 49 games last season. And by the way, New York Yankees center field prospect. 
He hit 20 home runs between low A and high A in 49 games. The guy's only six foot, 195, 200 pounds, but a natural field of backspin and just impact on the baseball. Pereira put up exit velocities over 110 miles per hour several times last season as a 20-year-old, mind you. He just turned 21. And again, the, the easy field of backspin as well, which is something that the Yankees organization has done a great job, is, is getting guys to be able to get the ball in the air and not in a way that it compromises your ability to hit overall. We saw it with Volpe. Oh my gosh, has that guy been able to just get the ball in the air with natural carry and just turn that into home runs? Uh, It's the same thing with Pereira. He's been able to tap into more power, and he is a really, really exciting prospect. What I really saw that stood out to me was how effortless the power was. Because again, it's not like this is a big dude. He's about six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, But the 110s were pretty easy. But not only that, the dead center home runs were pretty easy. The oppo home runs were pretty easy. He uses the whole field, and that's what I really like, too. He really just uses a bit of a leg kick, but it's more of a gather, and it gets him into the back hip, and then he just swings off that back foot. And it's geared for lift, but it works. And look, there's a little bit of swing and miss. Struck out 27.6% of the time last year between low A and high A. But I believe with how easy he gets into his power and how simple his swing is overall, he's going to be able to at least be a slightly below to average hit tool guy, which will be more than enough with the other tools he gives you. He is an above average defender and center. I was really impressed with his routes out there. He's an above average runner. And again, raw power, I have 65 future Game power, 60 future as well. And presently, he's clearly getting into that power pretty easily. Pereira is a guy that could jump up this list very quickly with a strong start to the season. And by the midseason update, we could see him way up there. A guy that is really fun with crazy upside, albeit with a wide range of outcomes. Next up is a guy that maybe not as as exciting, not as wide of a range of outcomes, but a guaranteed big leaguer as far as I'm concerned. Tyler Freeman, shortstop, second baseman, Cleveland Guardians, 60-hit tool, easy, potential 70-hit tool, and he has proven that by hitting well over 300 for the entirety of his minor league career. Last year in AA, he was injured for a pretty good portion of the season, but in his 41 games at 323, 372, 470, only two home runs, limited power from Freeman, but scouts seem to believe that there's room for more. I don't know if there's room for much more. His frame does have so much, a little bit more room for some added muscle, but I just don't really see that being a transformation that Tyler Freeman undergoes. I mean, maybe he does add a little bit of strength and can tap into 10 to 15 home run power. But what Freeman is going to give you is high end bat to ball, a pretty good approach, and he's just going to be really tough to strike out. He, he has struck out, I believe, less than 11% of the time in his entire minor league career. It might even be better than that. And again, 319 career hitter in the minor leagues. It's more gap to gap, but he does it a lot, so that's still really solid. Above average runner would be probably a plus defender at second base. He's stretched a little bit thin at shortstop because his arm isn't great, but he's more than capable at short. Not the most exciting guy in the world, but again, guaranteed utility guy at worst, but I think he's going to hit enough to be an everyday regular second baseman and a pretty good one at that. I will say that the Guardians have a ton of infielders and Freeman could be one of the odd men out because I like a lot of their other middle infield prospects, which, again, we'll get to in future episodes because they'll be in the 50 range and beyond. Coming in at 86 is, again, kind of the opposite of Tyler Freeman. That's why it's so hard to rank these guys sometimes. But Christian Hernandez, 
shortstop prospect, Chicago Cubs. I like to stay away from ranking uh, DSL prospects who are 18 years old, who I haven't seen in person, but just even from the video that I've seen from Christian Hernandez and some of the things that I've heard from evaluators who have seen him in person, and I try not to be impacted too much by other evaluators because I want to give you our unique perspective on this, but when enough people tell me Christian Hernandez looks impressive and I haven't had the privilege of seeing him play in person, but I then go look at the video and I see the measurables and I see the tools, uh, yeah, I can see what they are talking about. Christian Hernandez has all-star upside, and and I mean perennial all-star upside. Long way to go, wide range of outcomes. He's 18, hasn't even made it stateside yet, but man, the swing packs a punch. He is way ahead of his years in terms of the polish at the plate, in terms of his body control, his bat-to-ball. He seems like he really knows himself as a hitter already, and you can see what the Cubs really liked in him to give him $3 million as an international free agent in 2020. He's got plus raw power potential, maybe an above-average feel to hit from what I've seen with just his control of his body and a good feel for the barrel, plus runner. He's got everything. He really does, and he's already filled out added some muscle, and it didn't come at any expense of his speed, which I know really got evaluators excited. Big time upside, very excited for his stateside debut. Remember when I was talking about cheap international free agents that are on this list? Here's another one that was a steal of all steals. Andy Rodriguez, not a household name. I don't think he's on a singular other top 100 list, but Andy Rodriguez, catching prospect with the Pittsburgh Pirates, is one of my favorite underrated prospects in baseball. He's a switch hitter who has above average raw power, a plus hit tool potentially. It's presently not plus, but his plate discipline, his swing decisions, and his bat to ball is all kind of putting together what looks like a future plus hit tool as he continues to feel himself out more as a hitter, especially because he's a switch hitter who has elite contact skills from the right side. The left side's a little bit more uh, power at the expense of hit, but I mean, we're talking about 88% zone contact from the right side, 84% zone contact from the left side with more power. So that to me, is a fringe plus hitter in the making here. He doesn't strike out a ton. He walks a decent amount. And also, the power is really impressive from the left side. Right side, more contact-oriented, as I said. But from the left side, he will get some lift, especially to his pull side. I see 55 raw power, 40 game power presently, but 50 future game power. So I could see 20 to 25 home runs. But he's a switch-hitting catcher who's an above-average defender already. So how does that sound? Switch hitting catcher, above average defender, good bat to ball, sneaky above average power, and like what else do you want? Here's the crazier thing. He can play all over too because of the depth that the Pirates have now at the catching position with somebody we'll talk about later, way later, Henry Davis and then also Carter Bins and some other prospects that are a little bit ahead of him in terms of their development. They've played Andy Rodriguez in the outfield, in the infield, and he's looked good everywhere because he's such a good athlete. I'm a huge fan of Andy Rodriguez, and I think we're going to see him climb up the prospect rankings pretty quickly. Coming up at 84, Gunnar Henderson, shortstop prospect with the Baltimore Orioles. And Gunnar Henderson did not quite break out the way a lot of people had hoped last year. He was a popular breakout candidate ahead of the season, uh, but he still had a respectable season. I think it's fair. We have to be fair with guys and just because they didn't break out the way we hoped, I think Michael Harris is a similar victim of this, doesn't mean that we should dock them, right? Like, he still had a good year. Yes, there was some swing and miss for Henderson, but between low A, high A, and then double A, he slashed 258, 354, 76, 17 home runs, 49 extra base hits, 120 WRC+. 30% K rate is a little bit concerning, offsets that a little bit with a 12% walk rate. 
I'm not sure he's going to stick it short. He's probably going to move to 30, 6'2", 215. It's a big guy, but a powerful left-handed bat, still only 20 years old, and I, I really like the upside. I think people really forget how young he is. The 2020 season being lost for him, I think, was really big relative to some other prospects. It's plus raw power. I really don't think the swing is going to be a 30K rate swing. Really what I see with him is at times just the lower body and upper body being out of sync. And that was something that he was aware of and the Orioles were aware of. And Gunnar Henderson was working on exactly that. I think this year could be when we could have been one year early. I think this year could be the breakout season for Gunnar Henderson. Next up, talk about hype and expectations and how that can hurt a prospect. Jason Dominguez checks in at 83. And I know that's a big fall from where he was on most of the top prospect lists. But I maintained it early last year that I thought Jason Dominguez was just a little bit too hyped up. Not to say that he can't be a superstar. I just thought that the, the hype was unfair to him, especially after I saw him in person. But what I will say is Jason Dominguez has made some really good improvements at the plate because when I saw him, the first thing that stood out to me was how many moving parts there were to his swing and just how much there was going on at the plate. By the time he was ready to hit, it just seemed like there was so much going on. It was a different timing every single time because of all the moving parts. And he was getting blown up by 88-mile-an-hour fastballs from a southpaw named Luis Palacios on the Marlins. I just I wasn't surprised, though, when I saw all the moving parts. He was a little stiff. There was a lot that he needed to sort out. But this was an 18-year-old, a young 18-year-old, who was really dealing with the craziest expectations ever. He wasn't atrocious. He was still 5% above average if you look at WRC+, but he did strike out 31% of the time. What I did not like, what was very, at least what was a little bit jarring to me, was that the speed that was so hyped up, the athleticism that was so hyped up, I don't know if it quite translates the way that people thought it would on a baseball field. He has good straight line speed, might be great for a 40-yard dash, but he is not great in the field. His reads in center field aren't great. He's not a, he's not a quick first step guy because he's very heavy. His feet are very heavy. He's built like a linebacker. He's 5'10", 220. And it's just the agility isn't there. Same thing on the bases. You're not seeing him steal bags because he's just not fluid. He's not quick. It's more of once he gets going, he can move, which is still valuable as a guy that's going to be a powerful hitter who can still give you plus value on the base paths. But I don't see center field for him. I see corner outfield. The arm is elite. No doubt about it. As advertised, the arm is elite. The raw power is as advertised. He's quieted the swing down. His movements look a lot better. And I think he's going to have shifted expectations a little bit more reasonable, like not paying millions of dollars for his cards. Like, can we stop doing that? Which, by the way, I'm going to close out this podcast with a little bit of card conversation. But also, he's not this guy that just flies, right? He's not a 70 runner. He's more of a 55 runner. Um, And he's the defense in center, I think he's probably going to move to a corner. So that's okay because there's plus plus raw power. He's a switch hitter who still is a good athlete with a ridiculous arm and could be a plus defender in the corner. I'm glad that people are being a little bit more realistic with him for his sake, but he could still be a perennial all-star with crazy upside and probably one of the highest upside guys you're going to find in the back end of the top 100. And still 83 is, is still pretty relatively high up there given how rough last year was. Coming in at 82 is someone that Again, by the midseason update, if he's not called up at the big league level, he might be even way higher up there because I have been floored by what this guy has done in his return. Thank goodness. Royce Lewis is back, folks. Royce Lewis, shortstop, Minnesota Twins. He's back. He's healthy. And also talk about quieting down the moving parts to your swing. Royce Lewis has quieted down the moving parts to his swing. 
Missed 2021 with a torn ACL. It was horrible. Uh, and, and that was sad because we were really excited to see how he would build off of what was an MVP performance in the Arizona Fall League. Unfortunately, did not get to play last year. Comes back this year and just looks so under control at the plate. Instead of the big leg kick and a big hitch, now it's just a toe tap. And it didn't really compromise any of his power. 114 mile per hour double I saw him hit off the wall and dead center 400 feet away got there in half a second if he's putting up 114s with a toe tap and a more simple approach and less moving parts to his swing I mean this guy could be a star we know how athletic he is he's a plus runner he's got a good feel to hit strikeouts have never been a rampant issue for him it was more just approach and swinging through pitches that he should be hitting he's hitting the pitches that he should be hitting his approach has gotten a little bit better and everything else is as advertised Royce Lewis still has that elite upside that got him drafted number one overall in 2017 I'll be honest I really cooled on Royce Lewis and it was because of injuries plus all of the movement and just hectic nature of his swing and approach in the box but you know what Guys can make changes, especially guys with makeup like Royce Lewis has. And oh my gosh, has he made incredible changes. Carlos Correa has even spoken to his makeup and and the intangibles that he has as a young kid. And man, I'm a big fan of Royce Lewis as as a player. Uh, I was really worried and did sour on him, but I'm very excited to see him really turn it around. And I'm happy to wear that one if he can turn into the, the player that he is capable of. And I love everything I've seen. He's exceeded every possible expectation I had. And still just 22 years old, a reminder, like he is still very, very young even though it feels like he's been around forever because he was drafted so long ago. He was drafted as one of the youngest players in that class. Finally, we'll round it out at 81 with Michael Bush, second baseman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Bush is not going to bring you much defensively. He can play second. He can play first. He can't play second well, and he's fine at first. What he is going to give you is a very valuable bat, left-handed bat who's going to walk a ton and is going to run into power. He's going to strike out a little bit, but it's not a big deal because he's one of those guys that strikes out just because he goes deep into counts. He's not afraid to go deep into counts. He's going to hit you a lot of two-strike homers. He's going to work two-strike counts into walks, and sometimes those two-strike counts are going to be strikeouts. It just is what it is, and I think it's reflected in his stat line from last year in AA. 267, 386, 484, 20 home runs, 48 extra base hits, 134 WRC+, plus, a 26% K rate, 14% walk rate. He's very Max Muncie light to me. I mean, he's not going to hit as much as Max Muncy, but Muncy's a guy that strikes out a good deal, but also walks a ton and has such ridiculous slugging on contact that you don't mind it. Muncy can play second, can play first, can play third. He's a better defender overall, but there's a little bit of Max Muncy light to Michael Bush. 31st overall pick in 2019. Again, really like the overall approach, really like the power from the left side, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Michael Bush up at the big league level at some point at the end of this year, and he he should be someone that can succeed because of his ability to take his free passes, his ability to hit bombs, and yes, he's going to strike out, but he's going to maintain production while striking out from time to time, and he's been able to keep the strikeouts in the mid-20% throughout almost his entire professional career. As always, we round out these episodes with what is the... Baseball card segment here brought to you by eBay. And yeah, I mean, this is the perfect segue because there's some guys in this back end of the top 100 who I'm investing in. Guess what? Andy Rodriguez is one of them. Andy Rodriguez is quietly going up in price. Like I would hurry up and get on it if you want to buy some Andy Rodriguez. I've got a bunch of guys on our staff scooping these cards up left and right. Uh, And his card is 
is slowly going up in value, but you could still buy his Bowman Chrome Auto for like $20. I've seen everything from about $20 to $40, but as cheap as $20. I know one of our guys on the staff got Andy Rodriguez's out of five Bowman Chrome Auto for a couple hundred bucks, but yeah, you can get his refractors for about $40. It's a great card to scoop up because again, if it doesn't work out for him behind the dish where he already does grade out as above average, he's a switch hitter with an above average to plus hit tool and, and the power that I think is is pretty good. 20 to 25 home runs. This is definitely a card to scoop up for very low cost. I'm scooping them up in droves right now. A more high profile name that has really dipped off still and has not recovered despite the good early performance. And I think the price is going to go up very quickly because he is so well-regarded or was so well-regarded, Royce Lewis. And look, I even soured on Royce Lewis a little bit. I really thought that it might be difficult for him to climb back. But getting 100% healthy and then also totally fixing what was a chaotic swing and still putting up elite exit velos and all of the amazing things we've seen so far from him. Like he's that that elite athlete that now has figured it out how to hit, or at least looks like it in the early going. I'm not going to go crazy on his cards, but they're only $86 on eBay right now for his Bowman Chrome Auto ungraded. $86. is a number one overall pick in 2017. His cards used to go for three, four, five hundred dollars Now they're only going for $86. I would buy a couple of his cards because he has superstar upside. He's not that far from the big leagues. And he's putting up great numbers in AAA and crazy raw power exit velos. And again, household name that a lot of people will come back around to when he starts hitting again. And he already is starting to hit again. So Royce Lewis, not a bad pickup as well. Finally, the last card that I still think is a bargain. Again, these are all guys that are top 100 prospects for us. Uh, Michael Bush. $45 for his Bowman Chrome Auto Raw, which is a steal because this is somebody that could hit 30-plus home runs at the big league level for the LA Dodgers. Is it for sure? Of course not. Nothing's for sure. But that's the kind of upside he has, and the floor for him is 20 to 25 home runs and a high on base percentage for the LA Dodgers. He could play a big role for them, especially as some of their aging pieces uh, start to move on. We don't know if Trey Turner's going to sign an extension with them. I know Justin Turner, Justin Turner's not going to be there forever. Like We're going to see some shuffling around here and there, uh, but regardless, even if he's a trade chip elsewhere, whatever it is, his bat plays. He's close to big league ready. He could give you a lot of power, high on base, an exciting overall bat. Again, $40 for his Bowman Cromato. No brainer for me. And that's another card that I've been picking up. So obviously the guys that are on top 100 list are going to be guys I'm picking up cards for. And if I could power rank it, I'm picking up Andy Rodriguez number one because the cards are so cheap. That's the number one guy from this portion of the top 100 that I am scooping up as much as I can. Royce Lewis probably coming in at number two. The second Vinny Pascantino has cards, I will be scooping up all of his. I'm I'm assuming he's supposed to be in the Bowman release, uh, which is in two weeks. Uh, but then Michael Bush probably coming in at third, but also still a good buy. Again, if you ever have any card questions, feel free to DM me at rmlayton8 on Twitter. Also, you can check out our show on YouTube, Cardboard Consultants, where we are always talking about all things in the sports card hobby. I'm looking forward to going through the rest of this top 100 list with you and Jack and I will both be doing it on Monday and then a few follow-up episodes to continue to hammer through this top 100. Go check it out at JustBaseball.com. As always, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great weekend and I look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 